We are in a series called What You Know Good. And um, I didn't plan to retell the story, but since we've got some extra folks here today, I'm going to explain where did such a phrase come from, because I learned after the first week at home group that there were lots of people that had never even heard the phrase, what you know good. And so it comes, I think, from the South, I'm going to guess. The first, I did not grow up, I grew up in Florida, but I hadn't grown up knowing this phrase. The first time I heard it was I was dating Craig and was at his mother's home and his brother was home. And that's the first time I met him. And he just called out to me, hey, Brenda, what you know good? And I had no idea how to even answer him. I'd, I'd missed the watch you part, and all I heard was no good. So I heard Brenda and no good. And I was like, I don't even know what you just said. No good? Like, what no good? And so it's, uh, it, but it really is just saying, what's up? What's happening? That kind of a thing. That's the phrase, watch you no good. Our theme verse is from Deuteronomy 29, 29. God, our God will take care of the hidden things, but the revealed things are our business. It's up to us and our children to attend to all the terms in this revelation. So there are things that we know. There are things that are hidden. But if they have been revealed, we are accountable for that. These things are our business and where our focus and energy should be directed. So when someone asks you, what you know good... We have a boatload of good things to know. How do we know what we know? Well, we're going to face the same question that Adam and Eve faced in the garden. When the devil came to Eve and said, did God really say? How do we know to answer that? We know that God has revealed himself to us through his presence, his provision, through creation, through the prophets, and through scripture. We can trust the scripture and we begin to solidify our response to what God has revealed through forming our beliefs. So last week we talked about beliefs. We talked about the creeds that have been passed down to us from the earliest days of the church and we're able to benefit from those. And we have experienced and know Jesus as savior, as our baptizer, as our healer, and as our soon-coming king. The picture we see of God through what he has revealed is that he is loving, he is Lord and Savior, he is healer, he is coming again, he is omnipotent, he is the maker of all things, he is all-knowing and ever-present, he is the Lion of Judah, he is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, he is the risen Christ, he is the Lord of Lords forevermore, can somebody say amen? And these things have been revealed. They are not a secret. They have been given to us. We don't have to wonder about any of that. Today, I want to conclude this conversation, what you know good, <laughs> by talking about actions. Another word could be behaviors, patterns of behavior, habits, practices. I said last week that we begin to solidify our response to God's revelation by forming beliefs. 
but that process of solidifying has to continue on and through a response in our actual doing. I said last week, I don't want us to just say that these have a formal doctrine statement. We believe these things, and that's what we mean when we say, what do you know? It's not about knowing stuff about God. It's about knowing God. But if we know him, then what? Scripture is clear on this point. Our beliefs, our faith must show up in how we live life in order to be a living, vibrant faith. So while thinking and praying and preparing for this message, many scriptures have come to mind. And so I'm just going to give you some examples. Uh, the leader and pastor of the Jerusalem church, James, in James 1.22, he says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Micah 6.8 is a well-known verse. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In Psalm 107, the psalmist says, to, uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's King James. Then the NLT says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. And in Isaiah, the Lord rebukes his people for their religious fakery. And he says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. In the New Testament, in Matthew 25, Jesus told about the end times when he will separate the sheep from the goats. And the deciding factor was how each group treated people, feed the hungry, took care of them when they were sick, visited them when they were in prison, actions, doing. The New Testament epistles are packed with practical instructions for living life, ways to behave. We had a conversation around the table this morning with our teens about profanity. The Bible has some things to say about that. Our faith, what we believe, is here, but then it has to flow through action. So my thesis today is kind of duh. I, duh. <laughs> Except that the struggle is real. Actually implementing belief can be daunting. I plan to speak in greater detail about some of the things we are called to do later this fall, especially like that passage in Isaiah and the fast that pleases the Lord. In November, we're going to do a series called Fasts and Feasts, and we're going to see what the Lord has called us to. 
But today I want to focus on one aspect in relation to taking our beliefs that are formed in response to that which God has revealed to us and putting them into practice. Okay. There is a movement within the church right now that is encouraging what is being called a practice based faith. This is in contrast to a belief based faith. Orthopraxy versus orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is about orthodox, what the beliefs are. Orthopraxy is what are the practices. Okay, perhaps it would be better understood as seeing it as a balance or a two-sided coin. It's not necessarily a versus, but if you leave one out, you're not going to be balanced, all right? One proponent of this is Aaron Nequist. I've heard him interviewed on a couple of podcasts, and he has written a book called uh, The Eternal Current, How a Practice-Based Faith Can Save Us from Drowning. Here's what the promotion says. A call for Christians to move past the shallows of idealized beliefs and into a deeper, more vibrant, beatitude-like faith rooted in sacred practices and intimate experiences with God. Others that I've been learning from are Ruth Haley Barton and Pete Scazzaro. I believe... God is calling Vienna Assembly of God to a deeper experience, shaping us in unique ways to be a transforming community. We are called to be a light. We continue to receive words of wisdom and prophecy that this church, this spot right here, that light and life will pulse out of here. And it's taking place as each of us take the plunge of a deeper walk with Jesus. It's it's about you. It's about you. It's not about the wood pews you're sitting on or the carpet or the windows or the walls. If light, if this place is going to be a lighthouse to this community... It's not going to happen no matter how good we spiff up the building without you, okay? So I just want you to be encouraged by that. As we each take the plunge of a deeper walk with Jesus. So as we end this series where we are committing to trust God with the hidden things, and take ownership of the revealed things. This is where God led me. And I honestly was um, like, Lord, you are so good. Because I was just looking at the final couple of verses of this passage. But we're going to start at Matthew 11, verse 25. And look what Jesus says. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, 
and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This is the word of the Lord. A lot of the doing that we are encouraged with in Scripture can be attempted outside of God's revelation. There are all kinds of people all over Vienna doing all kinds of good stuff. They're feeding the hungry, giving clothes to those who need them. They're doing stuff in the prisons. That, you, you could do that without even knowing Jesus, right? So that's not the end of this. A lot of that doing could be attempted outside of God's revelation. Christian people can get caught up in believing the right way or acting the right way or doing the right thing and get completely off track, not giving time or space to actually just be with Jesus and let him teach us. This past couple of weeks have been trying. They've been trying on me, and I know that I, I am aware of situations that they've been trying on you. My soul is weary. There have been heavy burdens that I have watched you carry. And so one of the practices that we are called to, what has been revealed to us, is coming to Jesus. Just literally coming to him. All of you who are weary. (laughs) Take his yoke. Let him shoulder the weight. Release the yoke of legalism, religion, trying to do in your own strength. Receive the revelation he is offering of himself. Did you hear what he said? No one knows the Father except those to whom I choose to reveal him. He has chosen, and then he turns, and then he says, come, and let me teach you. Receive that revelation he is offering of himself, and find rest for your soul. Our country is in the middle of an extremely 
burdensome time. We need the light of Jesus within our selves. There are pieces of scenarios going on that I believe this and I believe that. Belief can only get me so far. (laughs) I have to have Jesus' revelation. I need Jesus to teach me. I need to let him carry the burden because I'm not able to even steer this thing sometimes. When there are scenarios going on that you know it's just swirling. Something and my, I can't get to a level of peace. That's where we enter into coming to Jesus Yoke up with him. If he puts a certain prayer on your lips, pray it. If he puts a certain um, understanding in your heart, accept it. Lord, go with wherever that fire engine's going right now in Jesus' name. How many understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to say from this pulpit, here's what you have to believe about everything going on in our culture. The word of God, we can depend on it. The revelation of Jesus into our heart, we can depend on it. But there might be times where there are certain issues that within our own small congregation, we land on a different piece of the shattered ground. And we have to love each other, trust Jesus to help us through that, and accept that he is ultimately what this is all about. He is ultimately Lord of Lords, King of Kings, ruler of our hearts. And we've got to let him carry the burden for us. So here's how we're going to end today. I'm stopping early on purpose to invite you to change your position. (laughs) I'm going to invite you to stand or kneel, walk to this altar. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to answer Jesus' call where he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. No matter what other practices or actions your belief is driving you to, if this isn't a part of it, we're not going to have our burden lightened, all right? This is a practice of knowing Jesus. So I don't have music planned, and for one reason, I didn't want to make anyone have to not get to pray. 
Um, let's just do this, respect each other. I invite you now, change your position, either come kneel, come stand, you can walk, but you're coming to Jesus and taking his yoke and letting him give you rest for your soul. Let's come.